Welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast with Jacob Ayers, providing actionable content to help you along your journey to financial freedom through real estate investing. As the premier asset class, real estate has helped ordinary people just like you amass fortunes. The benefits of passive income from real estate investing will allow you to live a life you want. And now your host, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and apartment deal syndicator, Jacob Ayers. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast. Hey, I'm your host, Jacob Ayers. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. It is July 6th at the time of this release, and I hope you had a great 4th of July holiday for those listening in here in the U.S. Well, hey, this week's guest is someone I'm excited to bring on the show. He is Dylan Marma. Dylan is a young real estate investor. He got his start, like so many others, investing in a single family house while living in Southern California, investing out of state. Dylan quickly went on to scale his portfolio to over $50 million through syndicating apartment deals and now has transitioned into the mobile home space. So we're going to share Dylan's story, talk about how he's been able to achieve so much success and a little bit of the mindset behind what drives him. Lots of great stuff in today's episode. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Today, welcome on the show, my good buddy Dylan Marma. Dylan, hey, thanks so much for joining us, man. Thanks for having me, Jacob. It's going to be a lot of fun. Before we jump into all things real estate today, tell us a little bit about first who you are, what you do, your background, kind of your world, and as it pertains to real estate investing. That's a lot to answer. That's a mouthful. <laughs> but currently, I'm 26 years old, currently living in Tennessee. I'll be moving to, to Florida here shortly, but based out of the Southeast. But I was Initially from upstate New York, grew up there in a pretty middle-class family, you know, hour and a half north of New York City. So my dad did a lot of commuting back and forth to the city, working in the corporate world. And I had a lot of my family members also working down there. So that's what I grew up seeing. My mom was a teacher. Started working at 15 and did a lot of construction throughout high school that taught me the value of a dollar working in <laughs> 105 degree temperature you know, for uh, you know, $10 an hour. And I remember, you know, one day I was sitting on top of a roof of uh, actually it was a church that we were working on at the time, and I remember seeing a guy pull in in a nice shiny you know, Mercedes and get out in his T-shirt and throw the hard hat on just to check out how the project was going. And I knew he was the one that was making probably a hundred times what we were making on that project. And he was a developer, so I remember that moment when I said, "I want to be that guy." And <laughs> so I went on and jumped into college for accounting. And after two years. I said, listen, I don't think going into the corporate world was really for me in that sense. And I was young and at that time it felt like forever to to finish up. So I actually left school, moved out to California, San Diego, more so to be by the beach and pursue real estate investing. So I was wanted to create that whole lifestyle by design, if you will, right? So I made the leap of faith, jumped out there and started working for a real estate investing company. I was fortunate to meet someone online that referred me to them. And that is really where I started to learn a lot. I've always been a huge learner and value mentors and reading and so on. So I was eating up everything I possibly could while working there. I bought my first rental property at 21, so I guess five years back and 
uh, quickly went, that led to the next thing. And after a few properties, I ended up getting into multifamily, starting off with a 21 unit and scaling from there. And that's what brought me to the Southeast a few years back. And now at this point, if we fast forward today, I've worked on about 50 million in multifamily projects and different types of real estate projects so far. And that's where I am in a nutshell. <laughs> and super inspiring stuff there, Dylan. And I knew I had to get you on the podcast because you're doing a ton of stuff at such an early age. I think your story resonates with so many people out there. But one thing that you mentioned is kind of building that lifestyle, right? And I always have this tagline called engineer the lifestyle you want. That's essentially what you did from a very early age, move out to San Diego to kind of build this life that you want, right? And from there, you kind of happened to get into real estate. So what did that transition look like from going from accounting education to transitioning to real estate? Why then? Did some light bulb click or what did that look like for you? Well, I remember specifically, it was actually, I always had that, I was on, I forget where I got the Someday Island, right? I feel like I was living on Someday Island, like someday I'm going to be living out by the beach in California. I always had that feeling and I had someday I was going to run my own business and be an entrepreneur and this and that. And I remember one morning waking up and just at this point, I was just at a spot in life. I realized I needed something to change and I needed to start taking more responsibility of my future. And I picked up a book called Choose Yourself by James Altucher. Actually, it was just one I had been gifted by my dad and it was sitting next to me. And this morning I woke up and I read that book and it just started to really, it just was a, you know, they say like at the right time, you'll find the right teacher or whatever. Yeah. And it was just, that's what it was for me. It was just a time when I said, wow, this is what I need to start doing. Instead of living in the future and what I'm going to do when I'm 30 or 40, let me take action and build something that can serve me now and enjoy the process along the way. And I just went for it. And a few months later, I bought a one-way ticket before I even had a job and <laughs> took the leap. And I was fortunate that, you know, by throwing myself in the fire, I ended up coming out all right. Really burning the ships there with the one-way yeah. ticket, huh? <laughs> yeah. So what did your uh, parlay into the real estate world look like? It was a single family house. Tell us about that, what you were doing at that point in your life, all that stuff. Yeah. So in the job that I was working, I was around a lot of people that were investing into single family. And being that we were in sunny San Diego, we were paying the price and you pay the price for the real estate out there. So we were not going to buy anything locally. So it was a lot of passive investing, investing out of state, investing with yeah. turnkey and so on. So my first ever deal was a real base head. It was a turnkey property over in Illinois, uh, Quad Cities area. And it was a base hit deal, that decent cash flow. But I just think, I still am glad I did it, right? Because I saved up the 20000 or whatever it was. And I remember you know, just getting that first check for 400, 500 bucks, you know, and just starting to watch that cash flow come in every month just got me in the mindset. I said, well, I can get used to this. And I was happy to get in. And that's what I recommend for a lot of people. Don't take a ton of risk on your first deal, but get in and get familiar and learn as much as you can while you're, while you're there. I love that idea of having that first base hit, right? You know, so many people are trying to make their way into real estate investing and looking for, you know, the deal that's going to, you know, really net them like, you know, whatever it might be, these high expectations. Myself, like you, you know, got into real estate with a single family house, nothing flashy, you know, that few hundred dollars a month in cash flow, yeah, that's great, but it's not really moving the needle for you, right? It's just that base hit. And that really is like what probably the most important deal in my whole investing career is that very first mm -hmm. deal. Looking back, not very impactful, mm -hmm. but it got you started. So what's your take there? No, I totally agree. And I think it's no different when you're looking at multifamily, right? I say that because that's where I have most of my experience. A lot of people 
are looking for this crazy deal that's 50% occupied, or they're looking for this grand slam deal, but no amount of reward that great comes without risk. So you're actually better off, I think, going after something that involves less risk, even though it's got maybe less upside as is, and just ultimately giving yourself the positive reinforcement that you can do it and you can see how it works the right way. Because if you go for this crazy deal and fail on the first one, then that's really not going to set you up mentally. I think psychologically, it's not going to really prepare you for success. And I think you're better off getting experience before you go after the stuff that requires it. Yeah, I totally agree. So you buy this very first house across the country in Illinois. It sounds like it works out well for you. You kind of start getting some cash flow. I'm sure that was kind of like an aha moment Mm -hmm. for you, right? Like, wow, okay, this might be the path I'm going to pursue further. So what was your next step? Well, next step was get a duplex. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So so let's get two of them. And after the duplex, that's where I started to realize it took me another year and a half or so to save for that. And then I started to do the math. I was on a very predictable schedule as far as where I was going to be in my career. I didn't see that much more growth at a certain point. And I saw the scariest thought for me was seeing in that career that I could see exactly where I was going to be at 30 when I was 22. Right. And I just didn't like that. Right. I think everyone has a different demand. Like Tony Robbins says, like we all have different levels of certainty and uncertainty that we need in our lives. And maybe I am okay and I can live in more uncertainty. I think in entrepreneurship, you really have to be that way to some degree. But I didn't like the predictability of it. And I saw how I started asking myself, how can I get into a vehicle and something that's gonna gonna be able to scale more and create, you know, more wealth and also I think entertain me more. I, I was feeling like I think a lot of people do feel in a job where they feel like a trained monkey at a certain point, kind of doing the same thing again and again and again, right? And my life's changed completely and that's never the case anymore. So yeah, that's when I got into multifamily and specifically multifamily syndication was really caught my eye. Yeah. So, you know, you're kind of alluding to this path of, you know, you buy a single family house, it takes you another year, year and a half to save up for that next property, right? And you're going to do it a little bigger duplex. And if you keep projecting this path down the line, it's like, yeah, this is great, but it's a little slower growth than you'd like, right? Because you're limited with the amount of money you have for those down payments, right? So that naturally leads you to syndication. So tell us about your experience there. Mm-hmm. So the first deal I got into was actually a 21-unit JV deal. So that's what I did is I saved up for a little bit longer and started to spend my time instead of looking for the next duplex, I started to learn multifamily and I started to learn it really hard, right? I was probably working 65 hours a week, but every waking moment outside of that. I was in the books or you know online and going to events and whatever I could, as most people do start off. And I learned it very well. I felt at a certain point, you know, you've been studying enough when you're starting to go out to conference and you see people that have this crazy results, you feel up to speed with them, but you still haven't done anything, right? It's like that, that first deal thing. So I got to that point. And then fortunately, I you know, found the 21 unit and I you know, invested in that with four other partners. And that was in upstate New York, funny enough, where I was going to school. So life goes in circles. But we did that. And the same thing there as far as just being a steady cash flow deal. It was you know higher cap rate deal, not a crazy value add. But it got me through the process, got me learning and experiencing it. And it's been really smooth ever since. We'll probably hold that thing forever. But And then you know at that point, I was fortunate to align myself with the right team. And I you know, ended up with some great partners to scale, some guys that had more experience than I did in multifamily but I was bringing in the additional you know, work ethic, sweat equity, and, and the understanding on the syndication side of the business. So we took an existing portfolio and then we added syndication to it and we started to really grow and expand. And that's when you know, things started to go pretty quickly at that point. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So going from that duplex to a 21 unit, that's a big jump. So what was going through your mind? I mean, are you thinking like, wow, this is, you know, pretty scary stuff. Do you feel pretty confident? What was the uh, kind of mentality behind that? Well, the scarier part I'd say if is when you're, you know, you're putting your hard-earned money at risk on something that's a little bit new or different, right? And I think you just always have that what if mentality, what if this happens or that happens, right? So I think just it's kind of like, you know, you're jumping out of a plane and you want to make sure the parachute catches. And when it does, and you start collecting the cash flow and keeping it going, it, you know, I think the same thing there, just, you know, that, that's what helps you grow and kind of build your trust in the asset class and see it all come to life versus just being educated on the book knowledge side of things. So, you know, that was at that point, I felt very prepared for it. And I think that all comes from spending the right amount of time getting educated prior to that. It was, it was definitely not something I just like shot from the hip and jumped into. I'd probably spent like, I don't know, 12 plus 18 months like studying along the way pretty avidly before getting in there. So now you mentioned this 21 unit deal was a joint venture, meaning you and four or five people got together, pulled your money together, bought this yep. deal all mutually. So you mutually managed it. What did your experience look like in relation to the other people? It sounded like they were a bit more experienced. So you're kind of leveraging their experience, their net worth, all that stuff. So the experience actually, I had, we had one experienced partner in that, but he wasn't really as active. He would have been there as a guide along the way, but we really had a few of my, one of my best friends from college and then his brother-in-law. And then we had had the broker on the deal actually end up investing with us. So we didn't really have the experience. So it was kind of good because we had one guy on the team that really knew at a high level if we needed to consult with them. But at the same time, we just kind of ran with it and we've been pretty good with the team as far as us getting together and kind of managing the day-to-day operations. And we still jump on a call at least once a month now and we're looking at refining it right now. So it was good from that sense, right? And I think a lot of people like are in a position where if you're looking at a deal and you know you don't always need experience i always encourage it though because it will make it much better and i don't i don't really encourage going after you expecting to make like we talked about like the max profits on your first deal like try to get a deal done right and just make it a good quality deal and i'd rather give away some equity to someone with experience if you have the chance to because they can mentor you and that lessons you learn in real life experience is worth more than most, a little bit of extra cash flow. Yeah, let's talk about that kind of giving up equity piece, if you will, bringing on partners. So some people might feel a little adverse to bringing on partners because they have to give up part of that deal, right? But had you not done that, maybe you wouldn't be where you are today. So talk about the power of partnerships and just, you know, raising capital from other people, giving up large Mm -hmm. pieces of the deal in terms of equity, all that stuff. Yeah. So from there, right after the 21, the next deal was 132 units and the next deal was 243 and then you know 143 and so on, right? So it kept going. So the way a large part of that was that, again, I was able to partner with guys that had experience in that sense. And we were able to bring complementary skill sets and resources to the table in the sense that I didn't have, at that point, you know, I invested a lot of what I had into my previous deals, right? So I didn't have a ton of capital. I didn't have as much experience. So, you know, I was able to work with people that had, you know, complementary traits to bring to the table. And yeah. I, what I did have was I had desire. I had the time. I had the knowledge for the most part, you know, and I was willing to just, you know, organize the relationships needed to help scale. And that's why we ended up going from about 800 units to about 1600 units or so as a group. And so for me, that was collectively a lot of my experiences gained along the way in that partnership. So, but I think 
obviously a lot of people listening are probably thinking, well, if I could fall into that position, that would be great, right? But I think there's no predictable way of finding that partnership or finding how your partnership is going to help you take you to the next level. It's more just doing the right things and working hard and then trusting that things will work out in one way or another and doors will open because it really just works like that. I mean, I'm doing, I, now I'm really getting in and want to get in heavy into the mobile home park space. And I've been yeah. blessed to have something similar happen in, in this sense. I've built strategic relationships and partnerships that are already helping me propel pretty well into this space. But it's all about working hard and having something of value you can bring to the table and knowing where the value comes in. So it takes a lot of self-analysis, I think, to really understand what kind of value you bring into the relationship and then finding people that you can complement. I think if you were kind of building a blueprint for your own success, Dylan, you'd start with like the foundation of all that time you spent investing in yourself, all those years learning, going to conferences, you know, making that time investment in yourself and that financial commitment in yourself to have that base knowledge, to be able to bring some value to those partnerships, right? And then leveraging those partnerships and then growing from there. You've constantly pushed yourself from a house to a duplex to a 21 unit to a hundred and such and such unit. I forget the progression, but you've constantly been pushing that envelope and kind of making yourself, I'm sure, more and more uncomfortable as each deal comes along. So talk about that a little bit. I think that's just how I'm wired in a lot of ways, right? I think I enjoy the thrill of, I don't want to say just achieving more, but it's achieving more, but it's also going bigger, thinking expansively, right? And being growth oriented in every area. So I'm willing to put all the time in to achieve that because that's just kind of what excites me in a lot of ways. So I think you have to live outside of your comfort zone if you plan to grow independently or as like an entrepreneur, you know, you have to constantly be doing that, right? If you're not comfortable in sales, you have to get comfortable in sales and you have to be comfortable with people. And if you're comfortable with sales, but you're not comfortable with numbers, you're probably going to have to get pretty comfortable with the numbers too, right? Some people shy away from the spreadsheet yeah. and you have to get comfortable with whatever you know your weak spot is. You have to be comfortable with it. I mean, you definitely can find partners that can compliment you. And I, I highly encourage doing so, but you always should be on kind of pushing the limits in some way and doing the things that make you slightly uncomfortable. Yeah, sure. Definitely agree there. Great stuff. Well, you've been able to kind of achieve so much at a relatively early age and you're really just getting started. I mean, you're 26 years old, but maybe somebody's sitting out there thinking like they're a few steps behind where you're at currently. Maybe they've got that duplex or trying to break into the multifamily space. What kind of actionable steps would you have for you know that person and the same you back in that similar position? Well, I think first it's like we mentioned, really doing some evaluation of yourself, analysis of yourself to determine what kind of traits can I bring to the table. You know, say you come from an engineering background, you might be great with systems. And there's probably a lot of unorganized ADD entrepreneurs out there that could really use someone like you on their team. So see how you can start to go and help them. I actually really encourage going to work for someone for free if you have the opportunity to. That's what I was doing a lot of in the beginning is just seeking to serve and trying to just get around people that were further ahead than I was so I could kind of absorb the knowledge and the information around them. And I'm, now I'm trying to kind of do that. On the other side, I have some people that I'm meeting with tonight that are going to be helping with some direct marketing, cold calling outreach for me. I have people that I'm meeting with next Tuesday for underwriting or want to kind of learn how to underwrite and work with them. I'm not plugging that. I don't have you know, a ton of like positions that I can have. I can only just with some people. But I think, you know, that just for an example, in the beginning, like there's, 
you know, plenty of people out there that need the extra help, right? We only have so much time in a day and we're all swamped. So if you can find a way to kind of add value, if you're a numbers guy seeing if you can go and underwrite for free for someone for six to 12 months, or if you're, you know, good at or comfortable jumping on the phone, if you can do some cold calling for someone in exchange for meeting with them every week or every other week and getting some knowledge from them, I think that's a great way to, great way to do it. Seek to serve. Yeah, sure. Now you've talked about leveraging experience from partners, but I know you're also really big into the mentorship side of things. You know, at one point in mm-hmm. time, you had hired mentors or had mentors of yep. your own. You know, our good friend and mutual pal, Vinny Chopra, I know you've worked with him some. So talk about how that's helped you throughout your career as well. Yep. Yeah. Got to give a shout out to Vinny. He's uh, <laughs> always my, my first mentor. I met him on a Zoom call late night after work on uh, when I was sitting there in San Diego and that call really changed my life. Probably wouldn't have moved out to the Southeast without that. So wow, uh, yeah, definitely. It's amazing how impactful that kind of stuff can be. So I think a partnership could be ideal if you find the right fit. I think a mentor allows you to operate a little bit more, we'll say independently, while you're kind of figuring out what you want in your business and your partnership and so on. So yeah, the only thing I would be hesitant against is if you're completely new, just going and trying to find someone to partner with just right out the gates and just like, you know, join a marriage kind of thing, like get to know people first and, yeah. and do like, kind of like do a deal or two together. I think that's the best. And that's how the best, you know, partnerships are formed oftentimes. So I think search for a mentor in any shape or form, really, if you want to pay and you invest into it, that's one way to do it. A great way to do it. If you find a way to serve, great. If it's a partnership, great. I think just knowing the different ways of going about it and seeing what works for you. Yeah, sure. Well, Dylan, what do you think are some of these characteristics you've found successful or found to help you in your kind of career so far, especially in the syndication side of things? Was that like maybe an analytical background? I mean, you obviously are pretty good with numbers, having studied accounting. Is it you know sales and marketing? What kind of characteristics or attributes do you think have helped you? Mm-hmm. I would say more than anything, it's just a passion for learning in general. Yeah. I, I think that's the one thing that I get excited about. And that's really my oxygen is you know making sure every day I'm learning a little bit more. And if I'm not, if I get too busy in the grind work and I'm not getting time to you know learn and do something new or even just take the time to read, it doesn't matter what form it comes in, but like I need that to feel like I'm growing. So I think that's what ultimately worked well for me. And I think it's hard for me to even nail down whether I'm analytical or extroverted or anything like that because I feel like I'm a little bit of a hybrid. Yeah, interesting. Well, awesome. So what are you doing these days? Like you're obviously syndicating deals. You've gone on to do more and more deals. What's the world look like for you nowadays? Well, right now there's a few things I'm excited about. One thing, as of about a few months back, I ended up leaving the former partnership and I'm operating a bit more independently in a sense. I'm still going to be partnering with people on deals and have strategic relationships, but I've started the the Requity Group, basically. So if anyone wants to check that out, it's therequitygroup.com. And we have a couple things going on, but I'd say the big thing I'm really excited about right now is the mobile home park space. I think you know multifamily has been a great ride and it's always going to be a big part of what I do. But I think as of the last year or so, you know, last couple of years, it's been getting there. But you know, there's less breathing room with where the market stands currently. And mobile home parks have been something for a long time I've been looking at and really seeing that there is, again, just more breathing room and I believe a better risk-adjusted return holistically in terms of the cash flow you get and the appreciation that's going to be valued. And I think there's, it's definitely competition has increased a bit in the last few years. It's definitely nowhere near where multifamily is. So 
I think that we have a pretty decent runway over the next few years to be able to buy some great assets that do great returns. And I've been working with a lot of investors, you know, getting ready to getting ready to do some of those. In fact, we just got an offer accepted today. So, you know, we're pumped on that and ready to keep growing in that space. In addition to that, we have a software company running called Equity Tree. Equity Tree is a software company focused around essentially it's an investor management system or investor management yeah, portal okay. where you know investors can opt in and you as a sponsor get the chance to manage your investors through there and they have their own kind of online bank account where they can view your upcoming deals or your current deals or track your performance and documents and things like that. So that's been a neat sort of a you know passion project where I'm doing that with a partner and you know it's been a lot of fun. So yeah, between the two of those, you can definitely keep them busy. But it's, so it's it's been somewhat of a new chapter for me in the last few months. But it's very exciting and off to a good start. Yeah, let's talk about Equity Tree for a second. You and I actually had a chance to catch up yep. a couple of weeks ago. You walked through the software with me. Really cool stuff. Really cool piece of software you've built there. It helps investors manage the process from finding and funding deals to investor management and all kinds of different things. So really cool tool you guys are developing there. That's uh, equitytree.io, right? Yep, equitytree.io. Yep. Yeah, yeah awesome. it's been it's been neat. And you know, really we're doing a lot with the folks that are getting on. We call them the early adopters. We're number one, giving out pricing that's better than anything else out there in the market right now. So, you know, we're getting people in at a great price and we're pouring into them, not just giving them the tool, but really giving them the guidance on how to effectively use the tool and how to we've had a lot of people come in and train from marketing background on how to be more effective on your social media and how to keep people warm after you have that initial conversation with them and present the deal effectively and things like that. So it really ties in a lot of what I've been doing the last few years and a lot of what I'm still doing day to day. And so it's really a tool that you know my, my partner Ekaterina and I have created for ourselves to use, but also for other people in the space because we, you know, we already think and act like investors and syndicators and whatnot. So you know it just seems to align really well with everything else going on. So you've invested in hundreds of doors, developed a new software platform, recently launched your own investment company. You're clearly a pretty motivated guy. What's got you going? What kind of keeps you doing all this stuff? It's a good question. I think I'm just, at this point, sort of wired that way. I think a lot of it stemmed out of, like I mentioned, that point where you pick up the first book at the right time and you just start on the path (laughs) and you keep on the path. And of course, it starts off a lot of personal development, a lot of getting your mindset right. And then at this point, you know, it's just been, I think I would just be bored not doing any of this stuff. Like I could never imagine life just kind of putting it down and going back to a normal job or just, I couldn't even picture my life any other way, really. <laughs> well, it's like a snowball building up steam, right? And it's almost hard to stop once you kind of get yeah. the momentum that you've got. Mm-hmm. Awesome, Dylan. Well, hey, it's been a lot of fun kind of talking with you, sharing your story, looking at how you've grown from, you know, that very first single family house or even prior to that to, you know, all the deals you're doing. So, really cool and expiring for so many people out there listening, I'm sure. If you had to kind of leave one piece of advice with the audience members, maybe that person trying to get started investing in real estate or take it to the next level, what would you say to that person? I would say get okay with failing as well, right? We talked about you know, a lot of things that have went well in the last few years and things along those lines, but along those lines, there's been a ton of rejection. There's a ton of setbacks, a ton of failures. And I think early on, we're kind of trained the way our society runs to be perfectionists and to want to get everything right and do things right. And we beat ourselves up probably too much when, when they're not going right. So I think the sooner you can start to correlate failure with success, the better. One of my favorite quotes, 
and my biggest virtual mentor is Ray Dalio. And he always says that pain plus reflection equals progress. And I really believe that wholeheartedly, right? That when you experience setbacks and pain, those are the moments where if you actually take a step back and pause and kind of analyze how you can avoid that from happening again or do it better in the future, that's how you make progress. And when you can kind of get that really internalized, you start to see failures as less of a stopping stone, more of a stepping stone, right? (laughs) Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, great virtual mentor too, Ray Dalio. Well, Dylan, let's go ahead and call it there. Let's wrap up. We've got a lightning round we always end with. Ask every one of our guests, are you up for it? Mm-hmm. All right, cool. The first question is, what was your biggest hurdle getting started investing in real estate? And then what did you do to overcome that? Biggest hurdle is simply just not knowing where to start. There's, there's so many different avenues and different paths to look. So I think the way that you go about that for me, it was just having people around me that were also investing in single family homes. And that's how I was inspired and learned how to go out there and buy my first property. So I think it's just getting an understanding on where to start. Yeah, definitely. Well, Dylan, do you have a personal habit that contributes to your success? Reading. I read a lot of books. I like to you know, be old school in that sense. I Even more than I listen to podcasts or read articles online, it's a lot of old school books. Yeah. Awesome. I completely agree. Well, we'll skip over to our question that leads into that a little better, but what book would you recommend to the listeners and why? I'll go back to Ray Dalio Principles. I think that book is the book I've read more than any other book. I think I've read it a dozen times at this point. Probably and That's a big book. <laughs> yeah. And I just wanted to sort of drip feed it to myself over time so I really could internalize a lot of that stuff. But I think when you look at the way he runs his business with this idea meritocracy approach yeah. of letting the best idea win, not letting bureaucracy or seniority win, but letting the best idea really rise to the top and staying open-minded and living your life that way, I think for me was inspiring and definitely changed the course of my life. Well, Dylan, do you have an online resource you find valuable in your day-to-day? I love Asana. Asana is a great project management software. If you're okay. not using one, there's Asana, there's Monday.com, there's a number of them out there. but I really try to think about the day-to-days of any business as sort of a machine. And I like to try to automate those things as quickly as possible. And Asana is a great way to do it. Awesome. We'll link that in the show notes. Dylan, last question in the lightning round. If you were to go back and give advice to your 20-year-old self to get started investing in real estate, what would you tell yourself, even though I think you were probably already along the path of doing so? Well, if I were to go back, it's hard to really envision how much differently I would have done things, but I probably would have started in some form of a business sooner, actually. I think I would have actually went to go into whether it's the brokerage world or wholesaling or something like that, where you can go out there and get that entrepreneurial experience sooner. The sooner you start that, the better. It's like they say, I think you know, Warren Buffett says, like he started trading stocks when he was, I don't know, probably 10 years old or less. Yeah, right. Age. But you know, <laughs> you see a lot of these guys that start very young and that's a huge part of it. And entrepreneurship is no different. I think your brain needs to get used to kind of compartmentalizing all the moving parts and having that kind of uncertainty and volatility. And I almost feel like if you stay in the W-2 lane too long, it's hard to rewire your brain to be used to the way life on the other side of it. So I would say for someone earlier, I'm not a huge proponent. I know it might sound like it saying this, that to like go take risk and quit your job or whatever, but like, I think if you're young and you have the ability and you're not tied down to anything that's, you know, you can take the risk, go for it and learn it because the sooner you start, the better you're going to be later on. 
Yeah, I love it. Great advice. Well, Dylan, hey, it's been so much fun talking with you, sharing your journey. If people want to learn more about what you're doing, connect with you, reach out, even learn more about the software equitytree.io, where's the best place for them to uh, connect with you? Yep. So you can reach me. You just hit on Equity Tree website. The investing website is therequitygroup.com. On both of those sites, you can schedule a call with me. If you want to chat, I'm always available. Happy to help anyone any way I can. Uh, you can also ping me with an email. You can just use my main email, dylanmarma at gmail.com. And I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn. Awesome. We'll link all those in the show notes for audience members to reiterate. That's equitytree.io. That's the Requity Group. That's R-E, equitygroup.com. Yep. Is that right? Awesome. Yep. And of course, your contact information will link. Dylan, hey, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, Jacob. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. All right, that wraps up this week's episode with our guest, Dylan Marma. Hey, I hope you got so much value from that conversation. We mentioned a few things in today's show notes. As always, with all of the resources in the lightning round, you can always find those by tapping on your phone screen or going to www.jacobairs.com and searching for the podcast episode. This week's podcast is brought to you by Ayers Acquisitions. Ayers Acquisitions is a real estate investment company that acquires cash-flowing real estate in emerging markets. With a focus on multifamily investments, we seek value-add opportunities in recession-resistant markets and properties that generate strong returns for our qualified investors. To learn more about investment strategies and processes, you can visit www.airsacquisitions.com. From there, you can schedule a call with me personally to connect further. As always, engineer the lifestyle you want. You've been listening to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, providing you actionable content to build your real estate empire. Nothing on this show should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for personal advice. The opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have a potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom, LLC, exclusively.